Hello, LifePoint family, and a special welcome to any guests that might be joining us today for the prayer room. In the Christian life, nothing is more important and nothing is more difficult to establish and maintain than a meaningful, consistent prayer life. Although we do find time to do just about everything else, it often seems that when we get to the issue of prayer, everything works against us. So what the prayer room is and has been is not only a place and a time for prayer, but it's been a place and a time to teach on prayer. So tonight, we're gonna do uh, both of those things by using traditionally what is called the Lord's Prayer. Um, I can remember as a, a child hearing the Lord's Prayer uh, in a very long, hard pew service um, and thinking it was just like this cold, ritualistic church stuff. Uh, then again, I was exposed to it in college, and it was like a, a recitation or like the Pledge of Allegiance that we said before every single class and every basketball game. I, I think I said it probably 10,000 times, and I could recite it in my sleep. But the reality was that I did not know the God who I was uttering these words to. Martin Luther referred to this prayer as the greatest martyr on the earth. I think he said that because it was so frequently tortured and abused without thought, feeling, reverence, or faith. Uh, well, after Jesus saved me and he gave me these eyes to see and these ears to hear, he invited me into this relationship with him instead of a religion to follow. I began to read the Bible for myself and I saw that what he was saying was pray like this, not pray this. And I saw where he was trying to teach his disciples how to pray. So when we actually look at carefully at its words, it models a profound principles for what, how, and why to pray. Before we start our time together tonight, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, before you learn how to pray, you need to learn how not to pray. Let's look at Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let me summarize two things Jesus is saying here. Don't pray to impress people and don't pray to impress God. Don't pray like religious people who aren't as interested in communicating with God as they are in trying to impress people with their flowery words. So prayer isn't to impress people and prayer is not to impress God. I'll just lay before you this fun fact. Uh, you don't need to speak King James to have a conversation with God. He is no respecter of eloquent speech. Prayer should be real. It should be sincere, not fake and religious. Uh, and, and your Christianese and 23 Father Gods in your prayer don't impress Him. So before we do movement one, let's just come clean before the Lord here. Let's just ask Him to show us any impure motives. Uh, let's ask Him for forgiveness and to get our hearts right before we approach His throne of grace. Let's pray.
Jesus, thank you for the gift of communicating with you through your gracious gift called prayer. God, I pray that our hearts are pure, that our motives are right before you, uh, that we would just simply want to honor you with prayer. Uh, so God, go before us during our time together tonight. And we do this for your glory and for our good. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have five movements tonight. And each movement, you can either do these alone or with the people in your home. Movement number one, Matthew 6, 9 says this. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The two things that we're declaring here is the fatherness of God and the holiness of God. These two things communicate the intimacy with God and the reverence for God in our prayer. When Jesus said, here's how you pray, our Father, that word Father means Abba. It means dad or daddy. And if you get this, it will absolutely revolutionize your prayer life. It takes prayer out of the realm of religion. It puts it in the realm of relationship. It's like a, a child talking to a good daddy. It's not religious or complex. It's, it's relational. It's very simple. He delights in you. He loves you. He's for you. You are his child. So he wants you to talk to him like a good father. But then he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is communicating the holiness of God. So talking to God is like talking to a good dad, but he's not like a human dad at all. He's holy. He's perfect. Exodus 19, 16 says this. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. During this next movement of prayer, let's declare out loud the personal characteristics of God, a good father, loving, caring, as a provider, intimate. But then let's move to marveling at his holiness, greatness, his majesty. Let's declare the fatherness of God and the holiness of God. Let's pray.
Lord, you are a good, good father. You are a perfect father. God, thank you for accommodating us um, as a good dad would, who would bend down and come down to our level, your children, and meet us in a very personal and intimate way. God, we love you for being our father. God, we also just declare you are so holy, you are so perfect, you are so majestic, you are so uh, great in all of your ways we cannot begin to comprehend. God, thank you for who you are and what you've called us to do. And thank you for the gift of prayer once again. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. Movement two is Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we live in between the now and the not yet. God's kingdom is now, but it's not yet. The fullness of his kingdom will only be expressed and experienced in heaven. But when we pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, we're asking God to empower us to live out his kingdom right now. We're praying and we're working hard to champion orphans and fight racism, abortion, injustice. Uh, we fight to share the gospel of hope with lost people. Uh, and then when we move to praying that your will be done, in order for us to pray that and mean that, that means that our will must be undone. He ordains all things according to the purpose of his will, and his will is always right. And aren't you glad that Jesus prayed that in the Garden of Gethsemane? That he prayed that, nevertheless, your will be done. We should be very thankful that he did that. So during this next prayer movement, uh, would you be so bold to ask God to accomplish his will and his purpose in this time, even if it's not what you want? Uh, that God would make you love his work and his will. That God would humble you to see his ways as higher and more lovely than yours. Let's pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray.
God, we've declared that we want your kingdom to come now and your will to be done right now. Father, we want our hearts to be like your hearts. We want to love the things you love. We want to hate the things that you hate. And God, we declare that your will is always better than ours. Pray that we, as a church and as individuals, we submit ourselves to your will. We ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Movement three, Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, remember, Jesus wasn't just talking to people who had pantries full of food here. Uh, he was talking to people who woke up every morning wondering where lunch would come from. And if you wanted to eat, you had to catch it, kill it, or grow it. So most of us, we've never had to pray for God to provide food for us. Right now, I think many of us have corona closets and pantries full of food. So most of us should be asking God to help us to eat less, not provide more. But Jesus' point here is not about praying just for food. He's saying that we should take any need and every need we have to God. He wants us to talk to him about all our daily breads, our needs, our physical, spiritual, emotional, relational needs. Not because he needs the information, but so it will increase our gratitude when he provides it. And it gives evidence that we actually believe that all things come from him. Look at James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So during this unfortunate time we have right now in our world, many of you uh, have lost jobs, income, lost access to the things that we rely upon. Today as we pray, let's ask the Lord to continue to provide and let's also remind ourselves in our prayer that God is this provider. And Psalm 37 says that the righteous will never have to beg for bread. He will fulfill his promise to meet all of our needs. So let's ask God to help ease any anxiety that you may be feeling and remind you that he is good, present, and faithful to provide. Let's pray.
God, you are provider and you are protector. Thank you for uh, giving us our daily bread. God, thank you also for the confidence uh, of knowing that the righteous will never have to beg for bread and that you are a good God who loves to hear the needs of your people. I pray that we use prayer to continue to ask you for our daily bread. And we ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Movement four, Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, salvation delivers us from the penalty of sin, but only the return of Jesus will rid us from the presence of sin. We're all still flawed because we all still live in a fallen world. And let's face it, all of us need forgiveness. We need it today, we'll need it tomorrow. Jesus died to provide it for you today and tomorrow. So seeking God's forgiveness, what it does is it liberates us from spiritual paralysis and lingering and crippling shame. So we need to confess our sins daily. Look at Isaiah 55 with me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Don't pray the generic, forgive my sin. That's not specific enough. You need to name and own them so that you can deal with them. God, I'm sorry I lost my cool, spoke in anger or gossip, lusted with my eyes, I went too far in a relationship, I shrunk back when I should have pressed in with the gospel. You need to remember though, your faith has already saved you. Your past pardon has now yielded future peace. Now also notice that when Jesus said we should pray for God to forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us, Jesus isn't saying he won't forgive us if we don't forgive people. He's saying that if we truly understand how much we've been forgiven, it should cause us to forgive. Forgiven people forgive people. And saying that I forgive but I will never forget isn't really forgiveness, is it? So during this next movement of prayer, by yourself, I want to ask you to confess any sin you may need to before the Lord. Then move to thanking the Lord for the depth of his grace and mercy. Then move to asking the Lord to help you forgive others as God has forgiven you in Christ. Let's pray.
God, we don't have a right uh, to approach you in prayer. Our sin has disqualified us, but God, thank you for Jesus Christ atoning for our sin, allowing us to approach you in prayer. God, you know our hearts and you know that we still need forgiveness every single day. And I pray that this time has been pleasing to you, uh, that would create a greater fellowship in our hearts with you. And God, would you just help us to continue to have soft hearts, to continue to extend forgiveness uh, to others the same kind of forgiveness that you have given to us through Christ. In his precious name we pray, amen. Movement five, our final movement here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The final phrase of the Lord's Prayer is one requesting deliverance. Now, we just finished asking for forgiveness from sin. Now, this request is one desiring deliverance from the temptation that leads us to sin. Look at James 1:14 with me. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. During this last movement of prayer, let's ask God to eliminate the way out of temptation to us even more brightly. Let's ask God to show us the narrow escape way in which he desires that we walk and that we would faithfully follow the path with confidence that he always provides a way out of temptation. Let's pray. God, we know that Satan himself is a tempter and he is a lion seeking someone to devour. He is 
prowling around at all times trying to tempt us into sin. But God, we also know that he is a lion on a leash. He's on your leash. And we know that you have the power to deliver us from temptation, to deliver us from the evil one. And that is our prayer to you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.